I wanted to play that uh, before I kind of come to, to speak because um, even though it's a modern, okay, modern 2007 I think it's still there, <laughs> uh, modern worship song, uh, it, it still is so true of what we read in scripture that was written thousands of years ago, um, which is what we kind of pick up in the Nehemiah. Um, and I just wanted to share one little kind of, I didn't pray and give thanks to God earlier, um, because I wanted to share uh, just a really brief story, because I think sometimes when we, we hear a song like that and we hear of things of going out into the community and stuff like this, we can kind of little be a little bit... Um, I'm <laughs> um, not too confident about that, I'm not sure I can do that, or age restricts, or mobility restricts, or work restricts, whatever it might be. And I just, I just really felt God saying, it's not in the big stuff, that's really good, but actually it's in the little stuff, it's in the tiny little things where we draw alongside people. Um, and I'll give you an example, it's that stand beside the broken, um, I've got a neighbour who has been broken for a couple of years. Um, bless him, he's, uh, he, don't, he won't mind me sharing this because he shares it with pretty much everybody he sees anyway. Uh, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Uh, basically, relationship broke down, she took the kids and restricted access in a big way. So he's had to go to the courts and everything kind of stuff. I mean, I've had plenty of coffees with him where he has just bawled his eyes out. You know, misses his kids and stuff like that. And all I've said to him was, I'll be praying for you. And I'll be praying that you get justice because it's not fair what has happened. And uh, he said, thank you very much. And then we have regular coffees and catch up and have a laugh, uh, especially about his dog who keeps escaping. Uh, we call her the community dog because she goes and visits every single house on the way to wherever she's going. Uh, and we kind of like have a laugh about that. Um, but anyway, he texted, he said, can we meet up for a coffee? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm away at a conference, I can't meet up. Um, and he just texted me and he said, the courts have gone in my favour. And I was like, yes, get in there. Um, and he now has access to his kids, uh, or can do Friday to Monday. It was only on a Sunday and supervised. Um, but now it's Monday to Friday and he can take them away for 10 days of holiday this year. And he's just over the moon. And I just sent him a text. Prayer has been answered. There is a God. And he replied, absolutely. And it's just, for me, even though it's taken a long time, all we've got to do sometimes is stand beside the broken. And I don't know who there might be in your life that you feel it might be a neighbour, relative, just stand with them. Be Jesus to them. You don't even necessarily have to say anything, just be there. Be there when they are broken. So I think that's, that's really what I wanted to kind of like bring that um, song to us. And then, and then obviously as we go on into Nehemiah, um, we carry on um, as we go into Nehemiah. We're looking at a fair society. So it's a little bit more justice-based, this one. So he's had a lot of opposition, building the wall. Uh, Trevor's done a brilliant uh, summary of where we kind of got to. And, you know, there's this kind of opposition that happened. And now we find something else that starts to happen. I'm going to crack straight on with reading from the Word. Uh, And I'm going to read Nehemiah 5, verses 1 to 8. Um, so it gives us a bit of an understanding of where 
we are at. It says, now there was a great outcry of the people and of their wives against their Jewish kin. For there were those who said, with our sons and daughters we are many, we must get grain so that we may eat and stay alive. There were also those who said, we are having to pledge our fields, our vineyards and our houses in order to get grain during the famine. And there were those who said, we are having to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay the king's tax. Now our flesh is the same as that as our kindred. Our children are the same as their children, and yet we are forcing our sons and daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been ravished. We are powerless, and our fields and vineyards now belong to others. I was very angry when I heard their outcry and these complaints. After thinking it over, I brought charges against the nobles and officials. I said to them, you are all taking interest from your own people. And I called a great assembly to deal with them and said to them, as far as we are able, we have brought back our Jewish kindred and now, uh, kindred who have now been sold to other nations. But now you are selling your own kin who must be then bought back by us. They were silent and could not find a word to say. There was an economic crisis due to a famine in the land, and many had to sell uh, or mortgage their lands, farms and vineyards, as we just read, just in order to pay for food. It wasn't anything else, just for food. And it says that some had to sell their children into slavery, They borrowed from the wealthy nobles and this is where we've just read how Nehemiah had to take them to task and and give them a bit of a a tear a shred off them, give them a bit of a a berate and, and, and tell them that what they're doing to their own people is unjust. And in his book, which is what we're kind of basing this series off of, uh, this guy Eric Mason, who's a pastor, he um, elaborates on what Nehemiah does by um, saying that he's very angry, but he just doesn't sympathise with their complaints, he acts. And this is the important thing, he acts. You know, we hear of things, don't we, in society, but how do we act on that? How do we deal with those things? Well, Nehemiah acts, and he brings two legal charges against the officials. The well-to-do people have been oppressing the, the poor. Um, saying in verse 7, you exact interest each from his brother. Now it was okay in Jewish law to loan to a brother or sister money. It was lawful to loan money. But you were supposed to loan with no interest. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. Whereas these people were loaning on top of loans. They're acting against God's law. Second, Uh, We, as far as we are able, have brought back our Jewish brothers who have been sold to the nations, but you even sell your brothers so that they may be sold to us. Some of the the people are able to be in Jerusalem only because Nehemiah has bought their freedom from foreign masters. But now the nobles and officials are forcing into slavery the very people they should be welcoming as their brothers. They're seeing them as people to exploit rather than fellow members of the people of God. And after Nehemiah outlines these charges, the many he is accusing are silent, because they cannot find a word to say to defend themselves. It's a very good book. If you ever want to just get a book on Nehemiah that's quite simple, but for me and Wayne it's quite good, 
<laughs> as we were able to pick it up and, and, and pull things out of it uh, for this preaching series. But Nehemiah reminds them they're breaking God's law. This is why they fall silent. He actually says, Mason says that they go on to that the root of this greed and injustice is down to one factor. And we pick it up in verse 9, which I'm going to go to now. He said, The thing that you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of God to prevent the taunts of the nations, our enemies? So they've lost their fear of God. They themselves have become like gods because of the money that they have, this wealth that they've got, this abundance. And, and it, it says, I've, we're reminded recently, I was having a conversation with my youngest, uh, Joel, um, and we were talking about some kind of end time stuff, etc. And we were talking about wealth and money. And, you know, and he just said, well, it's the love of money is the root of all evil, isn't it? It's those little nuggets in life. You just go, yes, he's got it, brilliant. <laughs> Phew, thank you, Lord. But it was, it says in 1 Timothy 6 that the love of money, not money in itself, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And it seems from what Nehemiah is saying that such a thing is happening among these nobles and officials. Now miraculously, the group of nobles and officials come to repentance. It goes on a little bit further in Nehemiah 5. As we all should do in light of Jesus being the answer to any kind of of injustice. It says they fell silent. It's like, ooh, all of a sudden we've been told off, we shouldn't be doing this. And they've brought in the law. Yeah, we're going against the Jewish law, so therefore they were in a little bit of a a sticky mire. Jesus sets the example for us. uh, But Nehemiah is this Jesus kind of figure in this uh, passage of scripture, what we're seeing. And the nobles came to repentance. And then they go on to give everything back as far as to praise the Lord in doing so, it says in Scripture. There's this real 180. There's this real 180 turn where they go from taking as much as they possibly can, even selling their own brothers into slavery, to Nehemiah telling them off, to even to the point we give, and in that giving it says in Scripture, they praise the Lord. I mean, talk about repentance. Talk about a 180, you know. Um, And it's quite important for for us to to remember that actually even in some really nasty, horrible stuff, we're still called to praise the Lord. And that's what they were uh, were doing. Now, we can reflect on this part of the chapter and immediately think of the worldly situation that we live in right now. We could quite easily point fingers at the rich and powerful who live in their houses in different countries whilst they sail on their yachts around the world to those houses, uh, while their workers live on the breadline. And we know that happens, and we can see it. It's been happening for thousands of years. And we can look out at society today and see these big old organisations where the the owners are the rich ones, etc., etc. Now, I've not got anything about against people that are rich at all. Some people have worked hard for it, and I completely understand that. But what we're talking here about is a fairer society. Um, and I'm not bringing any political, uh, you know, kind of focus in on any of this. There's enough politics going on in the world today for me to start rambling on uh, about where I stand. 
Unfortunately, we seem to be thin on the ground of Nehemiahs in today's society. Nehemiah took these guys to task. He pointed out the error of their ways. But I think today, those who put their head up above the parapet or maybe above the newly built wall that Nehemiah has done, ping! (laughs) It's very difficult in today's society to be a Nehemiah. We are being brought down uh, by things. You see people that challenge. Now, again, I'm not going to get political with the stop oil thing, but they are almost acting like Nehemiahs. I'm not saying they are doing the right thing, but they're kind of like saying, we don't want this to happen. This is a warning kind of thing. But they're disrupting in a way. But anyway, I'll stop talking now because I will really go into it. Something happens... um, in Nehemiah, in verse 14, that changes his status as an example uh, for us as we consider Nehemiah's actions. And I'm going to read verse 14 uh, to 19. It says, Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years neither I nor my brothers ate the food allowance of the governor. The former governors who were before me laid heavy burdens on the people and took food and wine from them, besides 40 shekels of silver. Even their servants lorded it over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I devoted myself to the work on this wall and acquired no land, and all my servants were gathered there for the work. Moreover, there were uh, there at my table 150 people, Jews and officials, beside those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that was which was prepared for one day was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowls were prepared for me, and every ten days skins of wine in abundance. Yet with all this I did not demand the food allowed of allowance of the governor because of the heavy burden of labour on the people. Remember 2000, sorry, two pages there. Remember for my good, oh my God, all that I have done for this people. Nehemiah goes from this cupbearer. If Nehemiah's alive, the king's going to be alive. That's the whole idea of the cupbearer is, but he's now gone from cupbearer to wall builder and the king sees in him something special and he makes him governor of the land of Judah. We've heard of this deep friendship before with the king and Nehemiah and we see now a trust that is put into Nehemiah that you're no no longer this cupbearer for me. You are someone that actually part of my province. You rule that land. You rule that land because I trust you to do the right thing about it. Now, Nehemiah becomes very wealthy, as we just read, very much in line with the nobles and officials he had earlier had to take to task. But he chooses to use his wealth differently. He chooses to be fairer with it. He could quite easily have have taken uh, what he was given and use it, but he doesn't because it says he has the fear of God. Now, there's a line in verse 5 that gives us some parallels and something that I preached on. um, I was doing Ian Smith's induction 
last Sunday down at Lee Road. Lovely to see him back in ministry. And uh, I was preaching and I just drew something along in Mark 10. There's an argument that breaks out amongst the disciples in regard to who sits at the left or the right hand of Jesus. And in Mark's Gospel, in Mark 10, verse 42, pick out from this, it says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. That, you know, kind of like harping back a little bit to what we read about the nobles here. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Nehemiah is acting out this servant leadership thousands of years before, or hundreds of years before, Jesus was around. Then Jesus mentions this. And what he does is he... He's not placing himself in that role of power that he could do. He could place himself in that role of power with the finances. Instead, he chooses not to become like these governors. In fact, it says in the scripture there, he pretty much has cracked on and built the wall. (laughs) There's still work to be done. I know you've given me this, but there's still work to be done. And my primary focus is what God has called me to do, and that is rebuild the wall. And at the same time, he's saying, I need to make sure there is a fairer society. And we see this, uh, whereas 150 Jews and officials ate at his table, as well as those from surrounding nations. And I was kind of having a little bit of a think about it. There's a famine in the land. And they have abundance. They have food. They have ox, they have, remember kind of like Joseph, kind of like the grain stores and everything in in Egypt. He held it all and they ate through that famine. We're kind of seeing the same reflection here with Nehemiah. And there are people from the nations outside, foreigners, aliens in that place were coming and they were being fed, looked after. In fact, it says each day an ox six choice sheep, some poultry prepared, and every ten days an abundant supply of wine. That would have been a feast. I wouldn't have minded being there for that. (laughs) That would have been a good day. (laughs) Every ten days, new skins of wine. But Nehemiah never demands this as a governor. Because he has compassion on those around him. And the demands that were very heavy on, this pe- on these people. They're already being taxed by the king. Now they're having to give food, etc., etc. And it gets to the point where they haven't got enough and we see that they're having to remortgage and sell their kids to eat. Nehemiah believed in a fair society. He'd been given wealth and privilege but chose to bless others and keep humble, just like Jesus now Jesus could have come as a king of kings. He could have come with all the pageantry and everything else, but he chose not to. He chose to come as a servant to all. So how do we apply this today as I close? Well, as I've said, it's easy to point the finger at the rich and the powerful who seem to lord it over people. 
But I'm always reminded that when we point the finger at someone, there are three pointing back. If I do it in my left hand, there's a lot less. <laughs> but if we point the finger, there's, there's three pointing back to us. And it's very easy to point the finger. And I always say, let the Lord deal with them. Lord, how are you dealing with me? What are you dealing with what I have? We get disgusted by the opulence of wealth and the contrast of the rich and the poor. But what do we personally do about it? And as Tim Hughes put into song, the Micah 6 verse 8, says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? We act justly, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with God through a few things. Firstly, we need to give up entitlement and become a servant. I look at society and there's a lot of demands from government, from the town, from maybe even people within families. Well, you should give me this. That's what I deserve. Okay. There's so much in the news today and in society. I'm entitled to this salary or to that social status. Now that's, that's society. As, as Christians, we are called to die to ourselves, to pick up our cross daily and give up our rights to Christ's leading in our lives. And that's a tough one. Because we all kind of like say, well, you know, I need this to live, I need that to live, and, and, I, and I should really be getting this income, and whatever it might be. But actually, Christ says that we are to pick up our cross daily. And we die to ourselves, don't we? It says we die to ourselves. Secondly, it's having the fear of God in our lives as Nehemiah impressed to the rich nobles and officials. It's not being so scared of God, but it's re-establishing that reverence for God in our lives that recognises the grace given to us that cannot be earned, but is freely given. I always remember Norman Critchell saying, it's not God Almighty, it's God Almighty. And sometimes we just need to... God is our Father, and that's fair enough. He's not an overbearing Father, he's a Father who wants to give us good gifts, but let's show God the reverence that he deserves as we come before him as his servants, but also as he calls us now, his children. Thirdly, we are to bless others, no matter what the cost. I'll be really honest, spending time being a neighbour to my neighbour is draining. I've sat through many hard conversations where I've wanted to cry. I've sat in my front room many times when I don't want to actually go around for a coffee and have another conversation about it. It costs. It's draining. But sometimes we have to say, okay, Lord, give me the strength to do this because this is a broken person that you have put alongside me. Give me the strength, Father. Give me the words, Father. 
die to myself and what I want to do so that I can be there for this person because that's what you would do. So bless others no matter the cost. Nehemiah blessed hundreds of people including those from other nations and maybe we need to reflect on that as we see people coming into our country because of war, poverty and famine in their lands. We can have these arguments about who's coming in on the boats but actually I do know there's a huge amount of them that are suffering because of war, poverty and famine in their lands. What do we do about that? If we take the example of Nehemiah who clearly showed a servant-hearted attitude and apply these three examples more in our own lives, I believe we will see a fairer society in Billericay and where we have areas of influence in our neighbourhoods. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you that we can read these scriptures from Nehemiah written thousands of years ago and look at today's society and see the parallels. Now, Father, we thank you for Nehemiah as an example of rebuilding, but at the same time, Father, looking out for all of his kin, all of his fellow uh, Jewish people as they returned to the land, that, Father, they saw justice, that they saw uh, a fair society. Father, we thank you for the example of Nehemiah of your son Jesus, who sacrificed what he could have had uh, in order that others were able to have. And Father, I pray for each one of us as we reflect on this this morning. Uh, just in a, a little way this week, Lord, I pray that we will be able to come alongside someone that maybe is broken. Father, maybe there is someone that's in need and we are able to share what we have so that they uh, can have. And, and Lord, may in that they know that we are of Jesus. That it's not just social action, but actually it is action where we are seeing the gospel given to people. Father, I pray uh, you would take this and you would bless it to us in Jesus' name. Amen.